Today on the Locked on Kings podcast, I'm joined by my friend and colleague from ABC 10, Sean Cunningham, who has been covering this Kings team for the entirety of this 15-year playoff drought, meaning he's seen it all, and he is not surprised by the uh, the poor road trip, just like many of us aren't surprised by the Kings going 1-3 and three during a very winnable road trip. There's been a lot going on with the Kings. Sean initially reported uh, that Marvin Bagley refused to check into the game against the Phoenix Suns. Well, now, of course, Marvin is playing. We'll get Sean's thoughts on that. Sean spoke to a couple of Sacramento Kings players at a community outreach event today, talked to them about Tristan Thompson's comments last night. He'll tell you about that. Plus, Sean will just fill us in with kind of his thoughts on the state of the Sacramento Kings team and the job security of Luke Walton. It's all on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Calm. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron James in using Calm and get a 40% discount off a premium subscription. Go to calm.com slash locked on NBA. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. Been a Sacramento sports uh, media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering Kings basketball, formerly with Sports 1140 KHDK, now with ABC 10 television in Sacramento. And working at ABC 10 it means that I get to work with my guest today, Sean Cunningham, been a friend of mine for a while. Uh, one of the most consistent and knowledgeable Sacramento Kings local media members that you will get uh, anywhere on the planet. Uh, every time we can have Sean here on Locked on Kings, it's really, really a pleasure. And our conversation went long, but I really think you're going to enjoy every bit of it. So I'm going to get out of the way without any further ado. And also be sure to get ready to respond because we talk about a lot of things that I know you're going to want to weigh in on. You can reach me on Twitter at Matt George Sack. You can reach Sean on Twitter at Sean Cunningham. Uh, you can email me, Matt George Sports at gmail.com. And if you're watching on YouTube, I uh, get those uh, those typing fingers ready to, uh, to comment down in the comment section down below. But without any further ado, here is my conversation with ABC 10's Sean Cunningham. It may not have been the most successful of road trips for the Sacramento Kings, but the uh, post game after the Kings lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves last night or the other night was certainly entertaining and some things that needed to be said. And one of the guys on that post game press conference who uh, is typically on every post game who joins me there, Sean Cunningham, my colleague from ABC 10. A pleasure, Sean, to have you back on as always, my friend, looking forward to chatting with you. There are three major things that we're going to touch on today. Of course, we're going to talk about the Tristan Thompson comments. Uh, we're going to talk about how that applies to Luke Walton with the rumors and reports that, that Walton's seat is getting hotter and hotter, especially after this one and three road trip. Uh, but you also initially reported back in the uh, the, the loss of the Phoenix Suns uh, that Marvin Bagley refused to check into the game. That was uh, the, your story that you broke. So now we've seen Marvin play in the last two games, and we know that his future with the Kings is, is pretty set in stone in terms of they don't necessarily see much of a future, and, and it's likely moving towards a move at or around the trade deadline, but the Kings seem to be patiently waiting for the right deal to move Marvin. Now he's getting playing time. We're going to get into all of this, my friend, but it's a pleasure to have you back on as always. 
<laughs> it's good to be with you, Matt. That was a long intro. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's good to see you, man. Um, it's it it it's kind of a probably I was telling you off air just a minute ago that I think talking through a lot of the stuff that's plaguing this team is a little bit therapeutic, not only for us in the media who have to cover and navigate, you know, this team and the players and the thought process behind of the coach's strategy and even that of the front office and even big picture. But I think it's good for the fans too, because um, I don't think Twitter is the right area to take the temperature of the fan base, but uh, ever, (laughs) but I also think that, you know, there, there might be some people who are really hitting that panic button. Um, and regardless of that, I think, you know, whether they're hitting the panic button or not, you know, there's people in the front office or people in ownership and um, things might be reaching a little bit of a, of a going from a simmer to a little bit of a boil. So uh, I think, yeah, I think the, the temperature is rising a little bit. And uh, but it's important just to kind of look at things and say, hey, guys, it's been 15 games and uh, one and three road trip against some very beatable opponents is a I think a, a slice, a, a huge slice of humble pie, not only to this team, but to the fan base and media, because I can't tell you, Matt, I don't, I, some people just need to like wait until they see a tide turn to where they, I mean, there were people and Tristan Thompson admitted it last night, which is going into that, that, that road trip is like, Oh, I'm, you know, I was thinking four and oh. it's one thing for the players to feel that way, especially against the opposition that they're going up against. But fans and media know better. They've been here long enough to know the fact that oftentimes this team tends to play to the level of their opposition. Um, they also tend to be a kind of a better road team than, than they are at home. Uh, so anyone that thought about them going 4-0 and or 3-1, and just cooler heads should prevail. You should look at a four-game trip and any road trip. If you can go 500, that's a success. And that's what I did. So, yeah, they go 1-3. and three. It's certainly disappointed. Uh, disappointing they're they're what six and nine right now through 15 games and I think if you were to tell me right now Sean through 15 games they're going to be six and nine I'd take that I mean you and I talked before the start of the season and I told you I don't think this team is going to be this like perennial you know upper echelon team they'll they'll compete for the play-in tournament which means if you're doing that you're hovering right around 500 record so from a record standpoint, nothing really surprises me and no one should be really upset about that, but it's just kind of the way the sausage has been made over the past, this road trip and maybe leading into the road trip where things look a little janky right now. Things could be a lot better given the start of that five and five uh, start to the season. But I also think Matt too, when you look at that start, things may have, they may have won a few games maybe they probably shouldn't um so things like they were fine but i think there were still problems to address during that five and five start so that's just a long-winded way of saying calm down foot off the gas a little bit certainly there's going to be teams that that have clunkers along the way it's not a nine game losing streak as we saw twice last year so uh but certainly there's things there's a lot of things to be concerned about right now This episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Calm. Do you want to know what makes LeBron James King James sleep? 
It's sleep. That's right. Sleep is his superpower. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation. They've teamed up with LeBron James to help you activate the power of sleep. When it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on physical fitness, but there's another side of the game that's just as important, which is mental fitness. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation. They've teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind and become the champion version of yourself. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, but you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to use it. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and my mind. From the sound of rain falling on leaves to bedtime sleep stories, Calm puts me to sleep within minutes, which means I wake up ready for any challenge. So if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA for a limited time, you can get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron James in using Calm. Get a 40% discount at Calm for a premium subscription with com.com slash locked on NBA unlock content to help you focus ease stress and sleep better get started at com.com slash locked on NBA locked on Kings is also brought to you by our friends over at built bar I love Thanksgiving all the good food all the treats there's plenty of them every single year but maybe this year you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar it's the perfect time for a built bar. Built bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious, feel good about it when it's all said and done. Uh, for example, one slice of pie, upwards of 300 calories, and honestly, that's on the low end. Most built bars are only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein tapped or packed in. They're low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. It's a great option for when you're hungry. You don't have to wait to Thanksgiving. You can order your built bars right now, but you might want to wait till Black Friday to take advantage of some of the great Black Friday deals that they will have on Built.com. If you don't want to wait, don't worry. We still have a deal for you right now. If you go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, right now, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. It's funny, you're, you're talking to the fans who who maybe got a little overzealous and media members who got a little overzealous and hey I'm 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 right there in that book and I I admit that I I bought in a little too much but a little too much money you on the drink table the there. Kool-Aid you drink the Kool-Aid what is wrong with you guys it's it's delicious but let me let me tell you uh, I I said almost the exact same thing that you said after the San Antonio Spurs loss I said you know shame on me for for having the mindset that the Kings should win any single one of these games because the Kings haven't earned that right um but I will admit that based off of the expectations placed upon this team by general manager, Monty McNair, by Luke Walton, and and knowing full well that more than likely at least Luke Walton's job relies upon the Kings making the postseason. I don't know if postseason includes play in or just specifically playoffs um, for at least Luke to, to keep his job long-term, but with those expectations set, that's why my own personal expectations, I guess were a little bit higher to believe that this team was different and would be different. I think where the frustration comes with me, and I know a lot of Kings fans feel the same way, is this issue of playing to the level of your competition, playing very, very well against teams like the Utah Jazz. I still think the Kings' loss to the Jazz in their home opener was the best that they've looked at all this season, and and that game resulted in a loss. I haven't seen the Kings really look like that. Maybe you could say the Charlotte game, but they were hitting shots. Um, The game in Utah wasn't bad either. Absolutely. they've, They've got them twice. Right. And at that, my point is the way that the Kings play against teams like that versus the way they play against San Antonio, the way that they, and I asked Luke Walton about it and Luke admitted like, that's, it's a, it's a good question. It's a difficult thing to work out. A lot of it has to do with the veterans on your team. And like, that's a lesson that even if there's different personnel, different coaches over the 15 year span, I would expect this organization 
to at least learn or understand by now that you have to play consistently on a nightly basis uh, if you want to win. So that's why the expectations were a bit too high for me going into that that four-game road trip. But you're you're absolutely right. I do disagree, though, with the I would take six and nine and because I, I think I base it off of the context of I, you could say, yeah, the Kings won some games during that that five and four start through the first nine games that they maybe shouldn't have won. There are also a couple losses in there of games that you could argue they they could have or maybe should have. No, don't um, say should won. have. Okay. Don't say should have. Okay, so could have won. Could have, yes. So I, I, I take the context of that with, I believe, the way if the Kings had played the way that they did early on um, in the season in during this four-game road trip, that they would have been two and two probably at the worst uh three and or four and oh at the best three and one uh, being that sweet spot I think that's where I kind of put everything into where I don't necessarily accept and take six and nine as a start even if it is hovering around that that plan where we expected them to be the good news is they're not in the cellar after that tough tough schedule to start the season well and to your point about should wins like when you're up 18 in OKC probably mm. should have won that game mm. right like the San Antonio game you were never in and that's really unfortunate, but um, that's a game where you, it, that whole trip is a game at the end of the season, no matter where you finish, you're looking at that and going, damn it. That's a miss. That's a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, look at you, you had to, you had to battle back from 24 down in a Phoenix game. You know, you, you, you shot lights out against the Pelicans Hornets Hornets. Hornets. Hornets, yes, <laughs> they're all they're all blending together now, Matthew. Um, yes, I mean, you, where you come and and to me, I think that was a really telling sign because you were up like thirty in that game, and Luke Walton's still riding with some of his guys late into that game, like in the closing final minute and a half or whatever. And I thought that was odd, but I also felt like you know it was a moment for him to say, "Hey, Deer and Fox, go get go get right." Like we we don't, we haven't seen you right yet at that point, you know. Um, he was still trying to figure stuff out, you know. So, yeah, I think there's certainly you make a good point there. But again, six and nine, given that nine, those first nine games, which again, I think only two of them weren't playoff teams last year. You're going against twice against Utah in that first nine. Uh, all m- Most of the first eight opponents, I think, were Western Conference opponents. So, yeah, I mean, it, the strength of schedule was like the second or third toughest in the league. So, Based off that, and you're only three games under 500 right now. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, and again, that's not to say. Look, at the end of the day, if you told Luke Walton, "Hey, we're going to be six and nine, I, I honestly feel like he'd be okay with it. But it's much like the problem that you and I are, are talking about. There's such a litany of things going on where there's so many little issues along the way that they have so many areas they need to improve. And if this is a small sample size, I think it's still indicative of what could come. Like, look, think of it this way. We're talking about that Charlotte game where they shot lights out. And there's not many games you can really point to and say that they weren't, you know, blistering or they weren't or they were just dead, ter- just terrible from from beyond the arc, especially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this game. This team almost has to shoot well in order to compete. Mm-hmm. And and I, I remember talking about the other night where uh, I think it was right before that that Hornets game, or maybe it was right after, I think it was the Pacers game. They shot terribly. Yep. And they were still in that game and they were going up against two guys in Sabonis and miles Turner, who were just very dominant, but yet, uh, especially Turner, even though he was in foul trouble and you know, they were, they were essentially pasting you on the glass, Mm -hmm. um, really had a lot of force in that game. 
but you were able to remain very competitive. And that gave me encouragement because usually when this team shoots bad, uh, you, you know, the result you saw it on this road trip. And I think it's starting to, to play more that way. I asked Luke Walton about it after last night where it's like, how much is the offense really disrupting what you're doing defensively? Cause we've seen that defense kind of wane over the past week, week or so week and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't see Davion Mitchell on the floor a whole lot last year, last night, because they're starting to, they want to emphasize rebounding as a top priority. So you're starting to see some bigger lineups at the moment. But think about this, Matt, like you're already not a good rebounding team, right? You know, you were awful. You were the worst in the league defensively last year. And if you're hoping to make any progress there, even if it's 10 game, 10 teams better than 10 to what you finished last year, like that's going to be, what does that equate to in wins and losses? So you already know you're bad defensively. You have to improve there. I've been harping on it for since training camp that this team doesn't have playmaking. They have two playmakers in Fox and Halliburton and Davion is like a very far down third place. After that, you have nothing Mm -hmm. like they really missed Delon, Wright. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that trade makes no sense to me. Um, You weren't able to replace that. So you don't have playmaking. You see Tyrese Halliburton out in two of those games with a back injury. And then that playmaking is just dreck. Right. Um, So you, you, you don't have playmaking. Your offense looks just janky a lot where there's a lot of tinkering going on and a lot of figuring out. And then, so my point is they have so many holes, like they have so many things they have to work on. Yeah. I don't know what to expect from this team from one night to the other. Like I remember Davion Mitchell saying the other night where he's like, our identity is we play hard. It's like, okay, well, I get it. Like that's, that's the, that's the prerequisite. That's like Fair on the minimum. job. That's the Fair. job description. Right. Yeah. So that's an expectation, sure. And certainly we've seen teams that aren't competitive and don't play hard. But what is it that this team hangs its hat on? It isn't shooting. They're not a good shooting team. In fact, this is what I was telling you during the training during training camp. There's a difference between depth and quality depth. If you're Monty McNair and you're doubling down on the acquisitions you made last year, obviously Delon Wright now plays in Atlanta, but you go out and resign Mo Harkless and Terrence Davis. They're effectively out of the lineup right now. Yep. What does that say about your offseason? Alex Len is a break window and break glass in case of emergency if you have a big that's like seven foot and kind of offensively talented. All right. Tristan Thompson doesn't play a whole doesn't play all the time. So it's nice he had some of these really great comments after the night after last night. And I actually got to talk to two Kings players, and I can get to that later. But I talked to two Kings players today who were like, no, it resonated. Like these are these are comments that we hear and probably needed to be said. And they were glad they, they totally stood by what he said, but they're not a good three point shooting team. Like, what is it they do? Even you've got the fastest guard in the league and he doesn't even run. <laughs> like he's not keeping his foot on the gas. How many fast break points they have last night Two. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, I know, I know Michael Malone made a joke of it the other day where he says, that makes no sense. I pace. Like, why are people talking about pace? Well, this team needs to play fast. I'm, I'm convinced of that in order them for that to find success, they have to play fast and they don't. So like I'm asking fans, I'm asking you, like, what is it that this team does really well? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And, and it's funny because I, I remember uh, hearing all offseason and even the early parts of the season, Luke Walton and even some of the players, De'Aaron Fox saying, look, we know our offense is going to take care of itself. We know we can score. We know this. We know that. But one of my big concerns throughout the season so far, Sean, has been 
half court offense with this team looks just as bad as it did the second half of the season during the like the Jaeger breakout year, right? When the Kings won 39 games, More, majority of those wins came in the first half. As soon as teams learned to adjust and force the Kings into half court offensive sets, the Kings looked lost with De'Aaron Fox mainly running the point. Now cut to two, three seasons later, the Kings still look lost in the half court with De'Aaron Fox running the point. I would argue the best half court facilitator the Kings have uh, is uh, is Tyrese Halliburton. And even his effectiveness is limited to just pick and rolls with, with Rashawn Holmes at this point. That is the Kings half court offense. So if you're telling me that is the strength of this team, that's what you hang this team on. And you just need the defense to be a little bit better. It makes sense on paper coming into this season. But in the, an example of the Indiana Pacers game, when your defense was a little bit better to keep you into that game, offensively, you had a chance to win. You flubbed it. And and I mean, I could even go back to some of the games they won at the beginning of the season. The, the Portland game to open up the season. The Kings defense was really good for three quarters. Fourth quarter starts to slow down a little bit. The offense is nowhere to be seen. Teams recognize if I force the Kings into the half court, offense is, offense is supposed to be their strength, but you force them into the half court and the Kings, it looks like basic pickup basketball it's either a high pick and roll or an isolation step back jumper for De'Aaron Fox, who is no longer getting the fouls while attacking the basket, which I actually like to some ball, extent. The ball doesn't move. Like exactly. It, it totally stagnates, exactly. which is amazing because they're t- like, I used to make the joke like last year and even the year before that, like, you know, this team has made some inroads. Like they're not, they're not turning the ball over, but they're also not passing it. Right. So the, the ball's not whipping around like it does. And, uh, it's it's definitely, definitely a problem. And now they're turning the ball over, but still not passing it. Like the amount of turnovers, 20 turnovers in this most recent game, if, if rebounding hasn't been the problem for the Kings, it's been taking care of the basketball. And that's right. De'Aaron, that's Tyrese, that's everybody. So you're not moving the ball and still turning it over. And we've heard Luke talk time and time again after games about live ball turnovers and how much that's hurt the Kings. In addition to rebounding, those are two gaping problems. And it seems like, Sean, when one is addressed and fixed, the other rears its ugly head. A perfect example would be uh, the other night when the Kings or last night yeah, when the Kings crashed the offensive glass, dominated the <laughs> offensive glass, but turned the ball over 20 times, gave up 24 second chance or uh, uh, points off of those turnovers. That's the difference yeah. in the game right there. And, and going back to that game, I think that's a really big game to circle because you couldn't shoot the ball, but neither did Minnesota. You were turning the ball over, but so was Minnesota. You know, uh, you didn't really get into foul trouble. And De'Aaron, I thought was, was, Pretty Good. solid overall last quarter, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, but Anthony Edwards, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you look at, I mean, they had Cat in foul trouble so early and they couldn't, they couldn't, they should have kept going at him. And they were just trying to, they were settling for really terrible shots. A lot of perimeter shots that were bad. Um, the third quarter was really bad when they start off and, and Cat goes on like a 7-0 run by himself. And I don't know, man, like I, they, they don't, they don't go into the paint enough. There's been moments where they have all of a sudden that that's not a problem. They just want to like continue to shoot their way out of slumps. They're really just waiting for buddy healed to catch fire. And so yep. he can rally them back. I mean, we've seen it. And it, and if that's your, if that's what you are, you're not a playoff team. It's easy to beat. Right. So, um, you know, I, I do think having an identity of being a team that compete, like there's, there's difference between a team that plays hard and has a level of compete. And one of the things I've been talking about recently is look, people who want it, who are just screaming for Luke, Wal- Luke Walton's job. One, I think there's something to be said for continuity. Um, and again, you just kind of know the situation at hand where this team has lost over a hundred million dollars because of a global pandemic. Um, 
Not that that's going to prevent them from making a move, but if the person isn't out there that you ultimately want, and to let, I think I mentioned on this show before, he now coaches in Minnesota. His name is Chris Finch. Um, it, it gives you more time to figure that out. Luke has a, another year guaranteed. I think sometimes it's the moves you don't move, do, the moves you don't do that speak loudly. And I think it was a good thing for them to bring Luke back, even though I, as you know, Matt, I expected him to be fired last year. I really did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it it spoke loudly that they believed in what they were doing. They believed in some of the progress, um, and they believed that having one voice and some of these players would benefit from that. And I, I, I respect that. I don't know if I agree with it, but I respect it. And it, to me, it's one of the Monty McNair's biggest successes since he's been here is hitching his wagon to Luke, because again, you can fire him this year. It doesn't like, it won't ultimately matter. It gives you more time to find who you really want. It also gives you time to really look at Luke as, do I want to go forward long-term with this guy? I I think we all know the answer to that's probably not. And I all, you know, whether he gets fired mid season or at some point this season or after the season, I think is probably likely depending upon whether they make the playoffs. Um, And even if they make the playoffs, like he's going to, you don't see lame duck coaches very often. So Mm -hmm. he'd be heading into his final year and you have to make a decision much Mm -hmm. like Jaeger, the 39 win team, you know, that had a lot to do with the fact that, that because, you know, they would have had to extend him. So uh, and the guy that Vladi wanted all along was Luke Walton. So it's just a kind of a long way of saying that they're running Alvin Gentry's offense. So if you think the offense is bad, which it is, how's it going to improve in an interim coach with, as with, with Alvin Gentry or with even possibly Doug Christie with Alvin Gentry by himself or with Bobby Jackson, whatever. If you have curiosity, if you're a front or a front office and you have curiosity about any of the people on your coaching staff, firing Luke Walton and letting an interim coach come in and see what you have there, see if you can gain any positive momentum is certainly a good way to kick the tires on it. doesn't mean you're married to it, but there are just so many different ways to look at what they're doing in this, in this season. And there's the, the, the one thing that Luke has in his back pocket, as far as I know, is that he still has this team, Mm -hmm. regardless of what may have happened with Marvin Bagley I mean, the fact of the matter is he's playing now um, and he's in the rotation. And I think it was very telling what Monty McNair told Sam record, Sam Amick on the record, which was that was, that's Luke's decision not to play Marvin. Even he could have said, we support that decision or, you know, but he said, no, that's Luke's decision. Like he made a, he made it, he's very calculated in how he talks and what he says. Mm-hmm. And he said that that is Luke's decision. He probably, he may co-sign to it. We don't know, but he made sure to put Luke on that Island there. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast brought to you by our friends at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season with more props, more odds, more lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. That includes college. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. It's free money. All you have to do is type in Locked On. From basketball to football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. 
I uh, we definitely have to get to Tristan Thompson's comments, um, and I'm very curious what the the two kings that you talked to had to say about that. So we'll get we'll make sure we get to that uh, towards the end of the pod. But I'm glad you you segued to Marvin Bagley because I wanted to get your your thoughts on Marvin. I agreed with the decision from the very beginning for for Luke to not play Marvin Bagley. In fact, it made sense to me if Luke's trying to win basketball games. There are players that at least I thought at the time, guys like Mo Harkless, guys like Tristan Thompson, Alex Len, uh, even even. Um, He's a guard, and I'm blanking out his name all of a sudden. He's out of the rotation, Terrence too. Davis. Terrence Davis, thank you. Uh, even Terrence Davis, uh, these are guys that at least we thought we knew what they provided with there still being a big question mark with Marvin Bagley. So I agreed with that decision then. Now we see Marvin playing in the last two games, and it almost seems like with, with players like you mentioned, Harkless and Davis now out of the rotation, it kind of looks like Luke is grasping for straws in a way, like he's trying to experiment with, all right, I'm going to put this line about there, and I'm just trying to get a response from somebody. Chemezi Metu goes from not playing to starting the last three games. I'm just trying for something uh, to look a little bit different. What do you make of Marvin Bagley getting minutes over these last two games? And do you expect that to continue, especially with trade talks around him picking up as the deadline gets closer and closer? So I have a few thoughts on that. Um, I don't necessarily agree that Marvin should have been out of the rotation, but it made sense to me. At least I understood the thinking when they started the season without him and, and obviously Jeff Schwartz, Marvin's agent famously popped yeah. off and, and that, again, I don't know how that does your client any favors, but um, look, like you mentioned the, the, the goal of the season and the, and the pressure is on Luke Walton to make the playoffs. He's battling for his job. And so what happened this training camp, which I think a lot of people fail to re- to even remember when it comes to Marvin is, he got hurt again. It was a sore knee, missed two preseason games, I believe. Lots of practice. And for a guy who was already behind the eight ball, he fell even further behind the eight ball. Because if you remember, you know, media day, Luke Walton was saying all the right things. Marvin Bagley was saying all the right, right things. Marvin Bagley even said God wants him to be in Sacramento. Imagine that. So um, you're the, the kid came in much like Buddy Heald, much like some other guys who would probably rather not be in Sacramento. And said, I'm going to make the best of this. Why? Well, because my career depends on it. You know, they're not going to pick up my option, but yet I have to play for my career. Like people need to see me play. And granted, I may be only 22 years old coming into the season, younger than Davion Mitchell, I like to point out, Hmm. but like he needs it to work. So he came in with the right mindset and fortunately got hurt. You know, it was a minor, minor injury, but if you're Luke Walton and you already can't trust Marvin Bagley, you're going to go in a different direction. And yeah, you're going to rely on not only a starting Mo Harkless, who was fantastic for you coming over last year, really helped the defense, offered you a veteran presence. And yeah, you'd like him to stretch the floor much more, much better than he does. But you relied on Tristan Thompson and Alex Lennon stretches, two players who were absolute garbage last year for their teams. Hmm. Um, and I think what Luke Walton, and I don't know this for sure, but people I had talk to there's a trust level there there's also an earn it like you got to earn it it's not just gonna be handed to you and unfortunately when it comes to you look he comes out the agent says what he does luke played him in the in the home opener you know we saw him in the home opener granted it was only 10 minutes and then he's out of the lineup again uh, again i don't think he should be out of the rotation again what have i always said matt you're not good enough to throw away unproven talent and the moment he goes to you in phoenix you refuse Bagley refuses to come into the game 
at that point, that just tells you all I need to know from you as a competitor. Now, granted, guys make mistakes. You saw that there was uh, teammates and coaches that were trying to pick him up and realize that he made a mistake. And um, I think there's other reporting to be done on it. Um, but I will say this, I, you know, I would be very shocked if Marvin didn't apologize to the team it's, it, before the road trip. Um, but it all ultimately did, was not a good look. And now he's back in the lineup. Uh, he's looked very rusty. Mm-hmm. And look, <laughs> I think, as you mentioned, with Luke Walton grasping with straws, I think that's exactly what he's doing. So he's doing Shemezi Metu in the starting lineup for five game, a five-game sample size to see what that looks like. Mezzi has so far extended the floor better than what Mo Harkless has done. But I don't know that that means Mo Harkless can't play. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand. Obviously, rebounding is his focal priority right now. You've already kind of scrapped this three-guard lineup. I mean, Davion Mitchell hardly played last last night. So it's it's a lot of tinkering, and I think it's kind of unraveling a little bit. I think it's sending a lot of – I think it's sending the message of, I don't really know what to make of my team, but I need to find an answer quickly. And if this is what it looks like, this is what it looks like. I also think he could have done a lot more of this in training camp, but I think he, they were so dedicated in getting the three-guard lineup on paper – or get some tape on this three-guard lineup and how this could be as a possible uh, core, as possible group that you can go forward with. So I, I personally don't necessarily agree with it, but I can't blame Luke for trying. And I think right now he's at a guy who might be at his wit's end and frazzled with with some of the things he's had to go through. Um, but I do expect Marvin Bagley to play, and I think it's the right move. Um, that doesn't mean he's in the, you know, that he's in the starting rotation. It doesn't mean that he's even in your future for all that matter, for all that, you know. But I do think Marvin's productivity historically, when healthy, has been a positive for on the Kings um, and coincided with some of their best moments and uh, most consistent winning streaks. From what you know and understand about Monty McNair, the general manager, do you expect or would you say it's likely that he is potentially aggressively um, – pursuing a some kind of deal, some kind of move, not just involving Marvin Bagley, but a move period to address some of these lineup questions and clear holes that the Kings have. And kind of a, an extra part to that question that I'll add on the end, it, it, does he need to start considering making that move right now to save the season based off of how it's going? Or is it is that way too premature? I guess that just depends on what your move is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, look, we, we spoke several times in the off season and uh, I've, I've been expecting a trade since July. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people have. Um, this isn't even to say that they're just like waiting on Ben Simmons or they're, you know, they're having a staring contest, but their whole league I think is really kind of waiting on it, Ben Simmons is kind of, the situation is kind of clogging up a lot of mm-hmm. potential movement, but mm-hmm. think of it this way. Like everyone's waiting for one, for two things, December 15th, is the moment where free agents that were signed this past season or this past summer are eligible to be traded. Yep. So that opens up a lot more possibilities. So there's that. Also, I think people wait for Christmas because that's when, that's when the NBA really kind of starts. Yeah. You have a strong enough sample size. You have about 25, some 30 games, I guess. I don't know. A strong enough sample size to see what your team really, really could be, what they, what they are. Uh, decision like think if, if you're New Orleans right now right what are you doing you know you're waiting on Zion we get it Zion Williamson Brandon Ingram 
you probably are going to look to move at some point. Yeah, blow it up. Like, like it's just not a good team. Yeah. Um, obviously, OKC has a ton of draft picks. I don't think that that's necessarily something the Kings should be looking at, but that's very appealing to a lot of teams that are like, well, we're hovering around the 8th, ninth, 10th seed, and it's just time. Like, if you're San Antonio, maybe you're looking at that, right? Um, it, it, I think once you get into there, like, I don't think it's like – there's probably discussions. I think Monty McNair is very him and Wes, um, uh, Ken Catanella, and 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 I'm just blanking on the name because I'm tired. Wes, the assistant general manager. Um, anyway, sorry, yeah. Wes. <laughs> He's gonna watch this. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'll get to it. Came over from Atlanta. Um, they're they're gonna look at the. They're they're being very aggressive. They're they're talking all the time, and I think that's the right thing to do. It doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are. You need to have these open lines of communication. Um, but sometimes you can't make a move until you got, so you might have an idea of what you want to do, but I think things are kind of getting held up a little bit with Simmons. December 15th comes around, Christmas comes around, things open up a little bit more. And I, I said this uh, a couple weeks, a couple weeks ago, which is I'm expecting a lot of movement this year, not just with the Kings, but around the league. And that's mainly because, you know, this isn't like a great free agent class. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of people are going to try and make a lot of moves this season. I think the trade trade deadline will be very interesting. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think it could be a lot of fun in the NBA this year. It's Wes Wilcox, by the Wilcox, way. Wilcox, sorry. God yes, it, I, did sorry. Have to, <laughs> I did have to look it up because I forgot to. I'm sorry, Wes. Oh, sorry. God. Very sorry, Wes. Um, so we got to get to the Tristan Thompson comments here before I let you go. There's so much to unpack. I'm not going to ask you about each soundbite. Uh, if any of them specifically stood out to you that you want to address and you want to talk about, feel free to. But three very different soundbites. He answered my question talking about like if you're a grown man, if you're an NBA player, you don't need a coach to motivate you the day or inspire you is the word that I and he used. Um, he, he talked about very openly about the Kings expectations for this road trip, or at least his expectations for this road trip. And he talked about some teams and he was brutally honest about some teams like Oklahoma city, how they're not trying to win. And they're mad that they, they beat the Kings. Same thing with the San Antonio Spurs to some extent. Um, so there, there was that sound bite too. Uh, and then he was talking about like Weber and Bibby aren't walking through that door. Like just one of my favorite press conferences of all time. Um, so I, I wanted to get your your thoughts on on what Tristan Thompson uh, had to say, and then your thoughts on the the leadership in general with this Kings team, or maybe a lack thereof. I thought it was telling that De'Aaron Fox's press conference right thereafter, Fox kind of just said the same things that he's been saying over and over again, and uh, same thing with Harrison Barnes. But in both of their cases, I don't know what else they necessarily could say. It's been the same thing over and over again that they've dealt with. But I thought it was a, a pretty telling contrast between Thompson's comments and Fox's comments in terms of leadership. So all of that bundled into one horrible question to throw at you, Sean Cunningham. What, uh, what did you take away and think of just Tristan Thompson's comments after the loss in Minnesota? Uh, yeah. If no one's heard him thoroughly entertaining. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was probably needed. some much needed medicine for a lot of fans and in that team. And my, my, here's my thing. Like you say it and it's good. But how much is that team in the locker room hearing these comments? Mm. And it is interesting in the 20 years I've been covering this team, which I'm now dating myself, but <laughs> it's now usually it's, it's all like when I first started again, my first year, they go to the Western conference finals. So um, it was a, it's not a young team. The NBA teams look a lot different than they did back then. So think about the final playoff team against the Spurs, right? Mm-hmm. 
Ron Artest comes in and immediately sets a tone the previous season. Like we're, we're, or that, that was that season. We're making the playoffs. Like they make the trade. We're making the playoffs. That's exactly what he said. He almost got laughed out of the practice facility, like by the media. Like he's just like, Oh, we're making the playoffs. And it's like, what are you crazy? Like, look at your, and they did when I made the playoffs. Um, and they almost, you know, I still think they could have beat that San Antonio team. Mm-hmm. If Artest doesn't get suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kevin you Martin at, game winner from that series. Yeah, the Kevin Martin game winner. You got Brent Berry burying a three in the corner. I mean, yep. just crazy. It's a crazy series. It really is. Um, but that's when the team started to get younger. You know, Kevin Martin eventually became the face of the franchise. And you had Tyreek Evans. Then you had DeMarcus Cousins. And you have guys like Chuck Hayes. Cron Butler is probably the most famous. Where you get these Vince Carter lately, uh, Garrett Temple. Yep. Um, where you get a lot Z-Bow. of these players. Well, no, because you're going to see where I draw the line here. Okay. Where all of a sudden you're going to have uh, something will happen. It could be a losing streak. It could be um, within Cron Butler's case, it was Rajon Rondo who dropped a slur, a, a mm. homophobic slur to Bill Kennedy in Mexico City. Mm hmm. And rather than talk to Rajon right away, we're talking to Kron Butler. And I'm like, I almost cursed. I'm sorry. I'm like, Kron Butler didn't um, didn't say this word. Like, why is he answering for Rajon Rondo? Like, what, what what's going on here? DeMarcus got kicked out of the game, was suspended at one point. And DeMarcus had been really good up until right around that point about being that guy who would hold himself accountable. He would answer the question. Oh, man, I got I got I to gotta go answer for it, right? I got to face the music. And then here comes Cron Butler to, to talk about it. You know, Chuck Hayes, I remember famously uh, on record called <laughs> called DeMarcus. Oh, you know, everyone's got that crazy uncle, you know, that we all love. You still love him, but yeah, he's a little different, a little crazy. Like gr- impactful sound talking about, you know, this team holding them accountable um, having these tough words, Tristan Thompson is the most recent version of that. We had him on Shumpert at one point doing mm-hmm. it too. Mm-hmm. The unfortunate part is so many of these veterans who've come in are on the back ends of their career and don't have the on-court impact that they once, that they once did, or even at least on this team, like Tristan Thompson has been kind of terrible for most yep. of his Kings team. He's been great off the court. He says the right things. He's entertaining. Uh, he holds people accountable. He wants people to match that energy. Uh, he brings a good presence to the locker room, but does it have the impact on the floor? Look, he still walks in the locker room with, as a guy who played with LeBron and a guy who uh, won a ring. And that goes a long way. The thing I would like to see is sometimes some of these guys who are more of the rotational players, like Rashawn Holmes, that should have been you saying something last night. Mm-hmm. De'Aaron Fox, look, again, not everybody has this in their makeup. And De'Aaron is a leader and it, it, it has a different, not, I wouldn't call him a leader, but he's a different approach just because they paid him a lot of money because he has so much potential and is probably their best player. doesn't mean it translates to him being a vocal leader or an emotional leader. Some people just lead by example. Mm-hmm. I think Davion Mitchell has a lot of those qualities of leadership qualities. I really do. Maybe not right away, but just the impact of people falling in line behind him. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of really positive steps there to where if I'm looking at him five years from now, that guy could be an absolute Chris Paul type in this mm. league. So it's nice that Tristan said it. He said a lot of things. I think a lot of people um, needed to hear. Uh, I, I, there were two things that stood out because of him. T- I was more entertained by him talking about what other teams are doing, especially mm-hmm. when they suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think the league wanted him to say something like that. 
but the other thing I think that was really telling was the fact that he that they kind of took notice of how awful the attendance has been lately. And he says, we need, we need you six man. We need you. We need you in these games. We want you here. We, we hope these next two games come out. We, we're going to need the six man. And, you know, maybe it doesn't happen right away, but um, home court hasn't sounded like home court that it, like we were used to in Sacramento. It's not to say those crowds haven't been noisy and haven't been good. The people that showed up have been good, but yeah, on the stat page, it might say 12, 13,000, but it's been more like 10 or 11,000. Like right. it's been pretty bad. And right. I know we're in a pandemic and I know there's restrictions and you know, it's not the easiest thing to go to a game and I know it's expensive, but it's also getting to be around the holiday time when all of a sudden a lot of people who may only do those one trips to, to games um, come around usually in this time. So uh, I'm looking forward to see what the building is like. I think they could certainly use uh, a lift and, and that could go a long way. Um, it was neat to hear Tristan kind of mention that, but a lot of tough medicine for some of these for some of these te- for this team. Before we let you go, I, I know a lot of it's going to be on ABC10.com and the ABC10 YouTube uh, channel. But can you give us a, a, kind of an idea of what uh, these two kings that you spoke to had to say about Tristan Thompson's comments and how they received it? Yeah, just about a little over an hour ago, uh, two hours now. Um, there, so this is a fun time because I like to show uh, kings off the court in the community, giving back. It, you know, you always hear fans say that they love the the Kings player who wants to be in Sacramento. I think that doubles when you see a guy really give back to the community, show that side of his heart. Uh, and the organization, it's a 365-day-a-year commitment to the community. And it really takes a front stage um, during the holidays. They call it the season of doing good, and this was the first of – a long line of events that they have, well, events and community give back programs that they have going on. And yeah, it was with Rashawn Holmes and Davion Mitchell down in South Sacramento at a boys and girls club, uh, basically giving away turkeys and Thanksgiving dinners for next, for next week. And a little drive through stuff that they did with the boys and girls club and SAC sheriffs. And it was fun to talk to them about there because look, we had a pandemic and they haven't been able to get in the community like they once were. And for Davion, it's his first time. And he's done something similar to it when he was at Baylor. And here he is now in Sacramento. It's his first charity um, thing, uh, you know, for the most part um, as a rookie. And he really kind of gets to see the community and get get in, get to be out and touch and feel what, what these people in the community are like. So that was fun. And then, of course, yeah, I mean, the Tristan Thompson comments and the road trip are just kind of hanging over this team. So it was nice to see them away from it. It was a little bit of a break up the grind and monotony of the season. But in talking to both Rashawn and Davion, I mean, they were super – supportive of what Tristan said they you know uh it was it's always funny to me to see if if guys admit to paying attention to the noise outside of the locker room and yeah the noise is in this case created by your teammate who decided to spout off and and say some pretty critical things of your team and look I knew we were I was talking to two guys who would fall in line hook you know right there with what Tristan had talked about and Rashawn Loved it. And I thought to myself, man, Rashawn, you should be the guy to be saying some of this. You're the starting center. You're an impactful player. You have a lot of these qualities within you. Um, it would be nice to, to, to see if that, but I think guys kind of pick and choose their spots. Mm-hmm. Davion was like, yep. <laughs> like, like it's, it's exactly what he's been seeing, you know? So um, this team has to do a lot of soul searching. It's not going to just happen overnight, but again, I think the bigger picture, they know they're six and nine. Um, I think it was really kind of spot on by you to when you put out the uh 
the the at first the comments about what Tristan said when you I, people looking at the comments about leadership and coaching and having that glory road moment and joining it with the temperature of the room which is Luke Walton being on the hot seat mm-hmm. because contextually it wasn't had nothing to do with that not at all it had to do with leadership and being a rah rah type and maybe what the perception of certain things are versus the reality. And so I, I think it was necessary for a lot of people to hear. And I'm glad that hopefully it isn't being taken as a, well, just another thing on Luke Walton's, you know, right. that he's got to worry about. Cause it really wasn't a distraction. It was a very welcomed uh, from what I understand after talking to Rashawn and Davion, a very welcomed message that the, um, that the locker room heard, especially when it comes to my bad, like, there can't be my bads. Like you have to hold each other accountable, which Harrison has brought up multiple times before this. So, and it's just interesting that Tristan brought that up unprompted as well. I mean, we talk about the consistencies, right? Yeah. I mean, I, Harrison's talked about it. Um, you know, Harrison does it in a very political way. It's what we right. call <laughs> Senate, Senator Barnes. Um, but I just go back to, to Michael Malone and I know guys probably don't want to hear this all the time, but it's like, Famously, my bad, get your ass kicked. Mm. And this is a guy who famously, you know, fought members of his staff, his front office, Bob Myers, in pickup basketball games when they were in Golden State. Um, so, yeah, it's a holding each other accountable. There's There's got to be actions for it. It's tough to do when you're trying to win games like this, but it'll go, I think, a long way. And I think when you have that and you're meshing it with what the coach is trying to do and trying to tinker with so many things – sometimes we would take a three steps back and just mm-hmm. kind of start over and, and fresh, fresh take on this team um, could go a long way, but again, six and nine, I'm not panicking. You know, it's, it's not all that far. It's not, it's, it's record again, record wise is where I expected this team to be, but I didn't expect them to be this bad at times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the more glaring thing because six and nine could very easily be like 12 and 22 uh, down the road here. Yeah, especially with this this tough upcoming stretch coming up where the Kings have two against LA, both LA teams. They have Utah Jazz again coming in here very soon, the 76ers. I mean, I funny enough, I almost have more confidence in the Kings during this stretch because of how they play to their level of competition yeah. than I do during a, a four-game road trip. But we'll have to wait and see because it, it could bury this team and they could also arise and we forget this four-game trip uh, ever happened. Sean Cunningham, the coverage that you provide both for community outreach all the way to uh, – to Kings pregame, postgame stuff, and everything in between. I appreciate everything that you do. All your great coverage will be available at ABC 10. Uh, and uh, I look forward to stealing you again and getting you back on Lockdown Kings in the near future, my friend. Anytime, Matt. You know that. And uh, I'm glad you're picking up a camera these days at Channel 10. Check Dude. out. Check out. Check just, out my guy. Just trying to be like Sean Cunningham as much as I can be, except I'm, I'm covering police activity. You're covering a, a bad basketball team. Uh, I like it, man. Yeah, I got to stay away from the real world stuff. Sean Cunningham with me here on Locked On Kings. Again, if you want to respond to anything that we talked about, plenty to respond to at Matt George Sack on Twitter, at Sean Cunningham on Twitter. Email me, Sports at gmail.com, or uh, leave your comments down in the comment section down below. We'll be back tomorrow, a, a post-game edition of Locked On Kings following hopefully a Kings win 
over the Toronto Raptors. And then the very next night, uh, post-game podcast after the Kings and Utah Jazz meet already for the third time this season. If you're going to uh, the Saturday game, I won't be at the, the Friday game against the Raptors, but I will be at the Saturday game against the Jazz. Would love to uh, meet with you and say hi. If you're going to the game, please reach out to me. I'd love to get in contact with you. Appreciate all your support as always. Until next time, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.